looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday the 17th of October. We passed the post yesterday, Ben Norris, on what is not just two great events, which were great events. You couldn't have scripted them better. But I think this is going to become, and I think it probably already is, a great day where you've got the Everest and then an hour later you've got the Caulfield Cup. It's a people savour this day now. Yeah, I'm just, to be honest, I'm pumped to do this show this morning, David. It was just a wonderful, wonderful day of racing. And I never thought something would usurp the Everest, but to my mind the Caulfield Cup did. The, the Caulfield Cup win of incentivise was, for me, the magic moment of the day. Um, the second biggest moment of the day, I thought, was the crowds being back at the track in Sydney. And, and that was just, you know, with the Everest, the Kosciuszko, um, you know, they went nuts for that as well. It was just fabulous to see. It was, uh, gee whiz, if you can't get up and about about racing right now, you may as well give it away. Producer Dale was trembling all morning because he has to work out the order. He thought, what do I do first, Caulfield or Randwick, Everest or Caulfield Cup. He didn't know what to do. He well, it's was, a nice position to be in, isn't well, it? Well, not for him because he normally gets it wrong, whatever he does. <laughs> but this time, I think you made the right decision. Oh, he's hiding over there. He's, no, you made the right decision, Dale. I, I, I've got to give it the Caulfield Cup a narrow margin over the Everest. But we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about both races, both Group 1 races. But we saw... Um, the world's champion sprinter win the Everest, and we may well have seen, we certainly saw Australia's best day win the Caulfield Cup, and who knows how good he can be. It's a great story, and we're going to look at it from a few different angles this morning as well. We've got time to do that. But firstly, let's go to the replay. And Putters rallied to him late incentivise. He got out with a bad barrier, but he came back in again. He ran the favourite, $2.30. Persan up towards the corner at the 400. Incentivise is moving up now. Then Delphi a length and a half away, battling on from Montefiore, a non-conformist. Great House has cut the corner, followed by Jewish Homesman. Incentivise goes for home, 250 out. Incentivise races clear. Two links in front of Persan. Great House, non-conformist. Montefiore followed by Chapada. But Incentivise is coming away. Four links in front. And Incentivise, what a start. Won the Caulfield Cup from Nonconformist. Dead Heat third, Persan or Montefilia. Then Great House and Japata. Next, she's ideal, Ocean Billy. Further back in the field was Master of Wine, Port Guillaume, Homesman, the chosen one, Salino, Delphi, Dewis, Explosive Jack, and Charm Star was last. It's worth watching this replay again, and all of you can do that now. There's so many opportunities to do it. But just go from start to finish where this horse... And Brett, under Brett Premble's um, uh, craftsmanship, was able to come across steadily, no no urgency, just let him run his own race, and then it was game on at the halfway mark. A bit less than that as he went up three wide, poured the pressure on. It's a bold move, but you can only do it with a good horse. Uh, and and it, it paid off, and in the straight, the margin just kept getting larger and larger and larger. Yeah, and it was one of those where-were-you-when moments in racing, wasn't it? I think... Um Everyone who watched that race or listened to it on radio will, will remember when uh, where they were. A bit like when Martin Power won, I, mm. I reckon. I still remember where I was when Martin Power won that day. That was just a magic moment in racing yesterday. Um, where were just, you? Uh, I was at home, actually. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, wasn't anywhere special. But, but, I, but I will remember I was at home. <laughs> I thought you might have on the mood or something. No, no. But, but look, um, just a fabulous... Just for a few strides there, when Preble sort of surged up three wide, you sort of thought, this is the moment we find out how good this horse is, and we certainly did, didn't we? As I said, I want to look at this story. That we want to look at this story this morning from several different angles because there are different angles, and they're all worth talking about. The first one is from the owner's point of view, and there's more than just owning this horse. This is a plan that was hatched, a plan that's been achieved. The the dance isn't over yet. Bray Sokolsky is with us this morning. So kind to give us his time, Bray. Congratulations. Thank you so much, David. It's an absolute uh, privilege to be having this conversation with you this morning in the aftermath of what was a um, truly phenomenal performance. I'm sure it was a big day. I'm sure it was a big night. It might have been a big early morning as well. But there's, <laughs> but there's one thing I've got to say to you. There must have been one moment yesterday, post-race, where you just thought to yourself and your, just your own thoughts, thought it paid off. This is so yeah. good. It's so true, you know, and that, actually that's when I got really emotional and I started just to think back 
so many times in racing you hatch plans and you know things just derail so easily um and you know to have sort of this notion in your mind when you you know make a play for a horse that you know that stage um, wasn't even in the in the cut markets um and you know to have achieved that um was like very edifying for me and yeah that, i think that that's when the uh, moment really got the better of me emotionally because it's that sense of achievement and that you know to a certain extent you've you've changed or certainly influenced the course of racing history Mm. Yeah, absolutely, Bray. Take us back to the very first time you either saw incentivise, uh, took a phone call about him from one of your ratings men. What was your f- your, your earliest incentivised memory? Did you did you watch him winning a race? Did you take a call? What what prompted you to get up and about about this horse? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually um, was in transit for my birthday um, back when we could travel. Um, it was June 5. My birthday was on June 6, um, so it was a Saturday. And I was actually waiting in the lounge and asked them to flick on Sky Channel before I got on the flight. And I actually just saw the last two furlongs of that race at Eagle Farm. Um, and I hadn't heard of the horse previously. And I just thought to myself, shit, you don't see that often. Um, just the way he was careering away from the field. Um, and I just wrote myself an email. I just said incentivize. I'll write myself email notes, especially given I was having a birthday weekend. I knew I'd need a reminder. And then Monday morning, I came in the office, and there it was waiting for me, incentivize. Um, and I had some time later in the day and started looking through his replays, and I was just flabbergasted. I just thought, this is, some, this is something I've never seen, uh, this horse's trajectory. Um, and I was just absolutely determined to be part of it in one way, shape, or form. When you rang uh, Steve Tregay the first time, or you made the first contact with him, of course, owner, breeder, trainer, what was his response that very first time? Was he was he willing and able? Was he did he back off a bit? Um, yeah, he was receptive. Like he's he's a, he's a lovely guy, and he um, he heard me out. Uh, but sort of just intimated that, you know, he wants a bit more time to think about it. And I, I knew this horse was racing um, oh, about 10 days later in the at Ipswich, mm. and I, I just knew I had to get involved prior um, because I thought he was going to come out and continue that, um, you know, to take his performance to a new level, and uh, he might be, uh, you know, unviable at that stage, and I don't have much patience. So... Um, <laughs> I, uh, I so I kept on chipping away, and then I, I sort of always had in the back of my mind, and I don't know why. And I said to Moods, I can't even explain it, that Moods was the right trainer for the horse. And like I've never had a horse with Moods, but when I was watching the replays and thinking about what I would like to do with him, he just immediately jumped to mind as being the right guy for the job. And I just thought the fact that he hadn't won the major race, he had, would have that huge fire in his belly, and you know, I wanted a smaller boutique operation rather than a you know big city training environment, given the horse had been in Toowoomba. Um, so, and then I spoke to Moods, and I said, you know what, you're a Queensland, you guys both speak the same language. I said maybe it's easier for you to um, uh, to work on the deal, and maybe let's you know take the angle of keeping Steve involved for the ride. Um, and yeah, Steve was particularly receptive to to that, and uh, we struck a deal shortly thereafter, and uh, the rest is history. And Bray, it was an emotional day for you on a lot of fronts yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, you talked about the emotion of of uh, winning the Caulfield Cup, and I'm sure you you had a few beverages, or more than a few beverages, to celebrate <laughs> last night. But the day started for you on a horrible night, didn't it? With your yeah. Cox Plate champion Sir Dragon Ace, sadly. Uh, having to be euthanised. So it must have uh, just all the emotions of racing in one day for you. Yeah, it was horrendous, Ben. And because it was a track gallop like at Mooney Valley with the media in attendance, I actually, myself and Ozzy actually found out um, uh, on Twitter rather than, um, you know, getting a call from the stable because the stable obviously looked so concerned about the horse and, you know, they were so focused on, on that aspect that, you know, obviously they weren't, communicate into connections immediately um and i was just but i actually thought this couldn't be true um and uh yeah i mean the timing and everything about it was just yeah very hard to stomach um really a tragic loss to australian racing not just in terms of what he could do on the track but you know for um, the breeding industry i really saw him as being you know a horse that could you know, produce a serious middle distance and staying 
um, horse and, you know, he'll get the support of a major sort of um, stud farm. Um, and I was so excited to see what the future um, lay for him, you know, in the breeding barn. And we'll never know now. And, yeah, really, really sad. I'm interested in how you observed the race yesterday because from, from my point of view, from a, a person watching the race as a, a race broadcaster and as a, a form student, it seemed to be in parts, the, the, the initial part was the getting over from the barrier and it was done with with uh, precision by Preble. And then you had that really comfortable part up the side, up the hill where he got in. They didn't go hard. He travelled well. Then it's game on down the side. And then coming to the turn, he started to ride him along. And as I think as Matt Hill describes it, a reminder, just a, a yeah. gentle reminder. Was there a point where you said to yourself, come on, you, you, we've got to get going now? I, I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes when Preble had him one out, one back, um, you know, shortly after the first bend. Um, just say, I was shaking my head um, in disbelief because, like, I could not have possibly um, uh, scripted a better outcome because, like, I've said all along, this is a horse much better with a sit because, he, you know, he is able to pour the pressure on. Um, rather than have the pressure poured on him. He was leading in the Maccabi and the Turnbull by circumstances, not by intent. Um, and we always wanted to try and get, you know, some cover and um, not necessarily be the leader. And when, when Preble did that um, with absolute um, uh, brilliance, uh, I just thought the race was over. I really did. Um, and then, you know, when he peeled out 3D, which he didn't have to do at that point in the race. You know, any normal horse, you'd be like, well, why didn't you wait? Because it, it looked like it was almost he pulled the trigger too early. But we just know how relentless that horse is. And um, we wanted to um, run the opposition into the ground. Um, and, you know, he rode him just exactly to plan. And he does hit that flat spot, you know, every single race, irrespective of whether he won his maiden or the Caulfield Cup. You know, at the point he's really asked for that effort, he sort of takes a little bit of time to wind up and you think, shit, hold on, is this horse under pressure? And then he just builds and builds and builds. And, you know, the horse is actually going stronger at the furlong than he is at the half oh, mile. This, it's this, quite yeah, incredible. This is, this, is, this is the outstanding feature of this horse. This is the horse that makes him a cut above the others, this this building of pressure and this, this surging and he just goes further ahead. Not necessarily saying he's going faster, but he's just getting away from his rivals. He can go around another lap almost. Look, we've got a lot of uh, to talk about with Incentivise with some of the other key players this morning, but it was great to have you on first. Uh, thank you for your time. And well, we know it, the, the, the dance isn't over yet, so we might be talking to you again in a few weeks' time. You never know. I hope so, David. And thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Absolute pleasure. Brace Sokolsky, one of the part owners of Incentivise. Let's go from the owner angle to the jockey angle. And this man's been with us a few times on Past the Post. Understandably, he keeps winning Group 1 races. And another one got racked up yesterday in the Caulfield Cup, of course, is Brett Preble. Brett, good morning. Good morning, David. Congratulations. Um, we talked to Bray about how he watched the race. And I, I tried to break the, the race down into parts, uh, which I'm sure we can drill down with you as well. There was the initial part of negating the alley. Then you had that sort of comfortable run in the middle part. And then from the, the probably about the 1,000 onwards, uh, it became a real race. Um, uh, coming to the turn, we're all watching. All, everyone around Australia was watching. And was that the... Were you anxious at the home turn? It's the only time I, I've... That I've, you know, if I've been on him, that I was like, mm, okay, what's there? Yeah, I needed to know what was there because, um, you know, I, whether I was going to give him a, like one, one, one strike behind the uh, behind the saddle before the home turn, I didn't um, envisage I was, I was going to need to do that. But, but um, I sort of had to like to flourish my whip at him and show him, and 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 he did pick up. He maintained his gallop, and obviously he's gone from. Um, you know, we were going sort of thirteens mostly until about the twelve hundred, and then we really started to pick it up from the from the thousand. We'll, we'll, we'll sort of breaking thirteens, uh, we're into the twelve zone, and then from the six hundred, probably eleven something. So that's about his top speed. He can't go much faster, and that's why he was probably giving me that flat feeling where he wasn't going to kick again. Which, you know, in all fairness to him, he, that he couldn't because that, that's his top speed. And but what I'm, I wasn't looking 
I was looking behind and <laughs> noticed everything else was actually at their top speed as well and, and not going to be really the able to produce a, a turn of foot to be, to be able to pick me up because I've been uh, maintaining that gallop from the thousand. So <clears throat> that's where he sort of very unassuming horse. You, that's uh, sort of one of the reasons why he, he stands out from from most horses. Where most horses have a sprint that dies at a land, you know, if it's two hundred or three hundred meters, a four hundred meter sprint on most horses would nearly get you a Group One horse anyway. But where he's maintains a gallop, you know, from a long way out, which is very unusual, and it's quite quite um, quite exciting to to be a part of it. Brett, it was uh, congratulations firstly, but it was magnificent Thanks, footage. I watched it again this morning of you crossing the line and, and raising your whip, and and you sort of said something. Um, you're obviously very you know, emotional, passionate. Can you tell us what it was you said as you as you crossed the line and looked up at the grandstands? What a effing machine! I said. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really what you said? That's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> that's gold, mate. <laughs> what a um, yeah, and that's what he did. That's the you know, first. First thing that comes, that's what's raw when you're out there, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's quite funny. And I was telling Damien yesterday in the room afterwards, and at the 800 meters, I sort of I healed him up like I had a pair of hooks on, but I never had them on. And I was thinking, one like a month ago, Damien said to me, uh, you know, he's putting his hooks on. He goes, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're just random chatting. And he said. Uh, you can't come back and get them halfway through, you know. And I was thinking, he's going out and on the field. I was like, well, geez, <laughs> I wish I had put, I should, I'd put them on. I, you know, I felt that I needed them then at this point. But he um, he came back underneath me and well, picked up anyway and, and did it on his own without sort of giving him a reminder of a pair of hooks. But uh, it's funny what goes through your mind out there. You've had a fantastic season, and these Group 1s, they're almost like mini grand finals because, to be fair, there's a big grand final coming up on, on the first Tuesday in November. And what a peculiar situation we find ourselves in this year, Brett, because normally the talk will be starting soon about... Or it normally starts with the Melbourne Cup, 24 runners, look at all the internationals, yakety yak yak. This time, we've got a local who's currently $2.50 favourite for the Melbourne Cup, to all intents and purposes, looks very hard to beat. There's, you can't punch any holes in him, and you're going to be the rider. So it's, it, it is a different situation this year. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, and it's, it's exciting for Australian racing. You know, of course it, it is. Um, you know, it puts us not not back on the map, but it's, it just shows the our colour of our horses that we have. You know, like European horses. You know, they are predominantly bred for the mile plus, and and we're we're, we're probably opposed to breeding for sprinter mile through. You know, just for the breeding purposes. So it's um, it's fantastic. You know, he's he's got a sprinter and a sprinting. He's got a flat sprinting um, pedigree this horse. I've been told. So that's it's quite extraordinary, and it's you know, the hopes and dreams of uh, racing. It's a really wonderful thing. So do you look look forward, obviously, to the Melbourne Cup now? Do you, do you sort of? I mean, a lot of racing viewers, racing watchers, would probably be putting the line through any other Australian horse almost in the Melbourne Cup. Thing, well, the Aussies can't beat you. It's it's probably the internationals that we've got to watch out for. Are you, are you a little bit the same in that boat too? I think Spanish oh, I, Spanish I'm Mission is the second like, favourite. Yeah, yeah, Twilight Payment. You know, Spanish um, Spanish what is it? Spanish Moon or is it? Spanish um, Mission. Yeah. Sorry, Spanish Mission. Like they're, they're serious stayers. You know, they they run. 32 for fun, um, you know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna run 32. My bloke's gonna run 32. Can he be as dominant and as and as as as, um, as strong as he was at the 2-4? I really do hope so. But we're not gonna know that until we actually go out there and do it. You know, and, that, and that's the thing about horse racing. You know, until you actually test those horses and try them at those distances they haven't been to. It's not. It's a really bit of a guessing game, you know. You you hope that they're going to do it, but um, you know, I'm I'm very mindful of those those two horses for sure because they're, they're tried and true and they're and they're they're, they're warriors. They've they've been there and done it, you know. And uh, our boy hasn't been to that trip before, but I know one thing: he will give his absolute heart out, you know, for us. And, and he just he's just a courageous horse, and and it's very special to be a part of it. Yes, yeah, certainly is, and uh, you've been a, a special part of our programs here over the last few months, understandably so. Let's hope uh, there's one more interview coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for your time this morning. <laughs> Thanks so much, boy. Have a good day. Good on you, Brett Preble, the winning jockey there, and a very popular jockey, well-respected jockey, and putters are loving what he's doing.
this season, particularly with incentivise. Let's go from the jockey to the trainer. Haven't spoken to this man for a long time, but uh, he's got to be part of this morning's program. Peter Moody, how are you? Morning, Chuck. Ben, how are you, boys? Fit and well. Um, a, a, a champion racehorse or a very, very good racehorse, they have to be that... They've got to be something a bit better than the others. There's got to be a reason why they're better than the others. This horse is a stayer, and what everyone is saying, and I think they're, they're bang on the money, this horse, the further they go, the further he seems to get away from them. He gets to them, and then he just he, he, he demolishes them, and then he goes further and further ahead. We, we're seeing it time and time again, and it was a great example yesterday. Yeah, listen, there's no doubt he's got a unique ability, uh, and I think he's still learning all about it and so are we somewhat and uh, the exciting thing is we probably none of us know where the ceiling is uh the horse included really mm. um he hasn't looked overly comfortable in his three group one wins down here uh and i think that's his physical makeup that probably makes him look that bit uncomfortable and you know he sort of toes out and sort of knock kneed in front and uh, you know you, you see him extend on straight parts of the track, not so much mm. corners and short straights, but the further he gets into a straight line, like he'd be at, it, 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 you'd think he'd be a great horse on those English tracks at uh, uh, you know, not so much Royal Ascot, but uh, maybe at Newmarket and that where you've got those uh, you know, dog leg mile and a half and that where he continued to build, where he seems to lose momentum and hit flat spots going around turns probably both directions, but when he gets into a flat straight stretch of ground, he really extends and puts his races beyond uh, doubt, really. Pete, that was just a spectacular moment, I think, in racing history yesterday. Is the Cox Plate definitely off the table? I know it was a plan plan B or plan C in case you know something happened to go wrong in the lead up to the Caulfield Cup. There's, there's zero thought of backing him up in the Cox Plate straight to the Melbourne Cup? Well, listen, I haven't spoken to Connections regarding that. Uh, Steve and I spoke briefly last night and, uh, you know, the, the Caulfield Cup was always his sole target and anything else was a bonus. We kept him in the Cox Plate in case something happened, sort of heading toward yesterday, and we needed another race up our sleeve. Uh, and that was probably the only reason he's still in the Cox Plate. So I would say extremely doubtful that uh, he would take his place. And, and just looking at him this morning, it's the first time that the, the runs jaded him a little bit. Um, he's still bright and alert, but he's a little bit flatter than he had been off the back of his last two. So I would suggest that... The last thing he needs to do is go to the races again in seven days. I suppose, well, then we go to the Melbourne Cup, and I suppose that the burning question, which will be answered sooner than later, is what penalty does he get? What range do you think it'll be? Well, listen, I don't know. Greg Carpenter's, you know, unbelievably good at his job, and we were all a little bit critical and surprised when he gave him so much weight off the back of his McIvy win. You know, uh, we thought we were going into the Cups with maybe 53 and he. 54 on our back end, that was 55 and a half. Um, I'd probably take great heart from the fact that Very Elegant only got penalised a half a kilo last year and she beat an Epsom Derby winner. Mm. Now, with all due respect to non-conformists, he's a bloody good horse and I'd love to have him in my backyard, but he's no Epsom Derby winner. So I think you've got to respect that. And then remembering in 17 days' time, if we are in the Melbourne Cup, he's taking on the reigning cup champion in Twilight Payment and uh, another invader in Spanish Mission, which comes with very good European form. So he's got to be, you know, he's got to be seen to be giving the, the opposition that he's been trouncing a chance to level up. But at the same time, he's got to be seen to be giving him a chance to defeat the horses that have been there and done it or, or have done it at a better level than he being Twilight Payment and Spanish Mission. So it's going to be a juggling act, but uh, I respect Greg's opinion and I quite often seek his opinion uh, on various matters. So... Uh, I'm sure he'll get it right. Uh, more important and forefront at my mind is the horse's well-being, and I need to see him bounce back over the next week to 10 days to tell me that he's going to go to the Melbourne Cup in as good a order as he has his last three. Otherwise, he won't be there. He'll be in the paddock. Pete, can you, can you just give us a little bit of a, an insight into your relationship with Steve Tregay? Did, did you have much to do with him when you were in Queensland? Obviously, you speak to him a lot now, and, and that's a wonderful element to this story as well, isn't it? I mean, in Queensland, we, we sort of feel like the horse is still a Queenslander almost, you know? Oh, well, and, and so you should. You know, he's a great representative of Queensland, Toowoomba and the Darling Downs and, and what product the Darling Downs can throw out. And, 
you've only got to look at recent times up there. You've had a you know a golden slipper winner and capitalists just you know that's one off the back of my mind and a lot of good horses for many many decades have come off that unbelievable country up there and and it's great to see it represented again at, at this level. Uh, my relationship with Steve, I suppose it was probably one of always mutual respect and understanding uh, of seeing him around the yearling sales and racetracks the length and breadth of Queensland uh, the last few decades. Uh, and, um, you know, we've never had a personal relationship, but we've always uh, managed to pull up, say day, shake hands and have a yarn whenever we've come across one another. And that probably, you know, mutual respect probably went a long way towards me being able to help uh, Bray and Ozzy secure an interest in incentivise and ultimately the horse landing in my stables because I, I don't know, you'd have to ask Steve, I know there was probably a few people knocking on his door looking to do something with this horse and, and rightly so and uh, I was a fortunate enough one to uh, be able to secure and I wouldn't say put together the deal but be a part of that and, and, uh, and have him arrive in my yard so I'm certainly grateful for that and uh, and I think Steve and his team and family up there uh, at Windermere and and at Clifford Park should be extremely proud of the job, uh, you know, the way they've brought this horse on. And, and I've been the beneficiary of that and, uh, you know, been able to take him through to these three group ones over the last sort of six-week period. We know you're busy this morning. We'll let you go. Just in closing, though, uh, I suppose it's a case of you never say never. I mean, you walked <coughs> away from training four or so years ago and here you are winning a Caulfield Cup yesterday. Uh, unbelievably gratifying, David. You know, um, you know. I, have I got a chip on my shoulder over what happened four years ago? I haven't got a chip on my shoulder. I've got a bloody mountain block on my shoulder over what happened four years ago. So, <laughs> shit, I think I deserved that yesterday and I deserve a lot more. That's, but that's not going to happen. But let's not take away from this great horse and the job he did. Uh, but it was very, very gratifying. Um, People suggested that I hadn't won one of the majors and that left a hole in my resume. There's only one hole in my resume, the fact is that I had to walk away from racing. So anything I get now is a bonus. But I'm incredibly proud to be involved with a horse like this and he's got a fine record and let's hope we can build on it and have a few more days like yesterday. Well, you've got plenty of accolades. I want you to give one before you go. I want you to give an accolade to your favourite fan, Desley Forster. She trained a treble last Saturday for a small team she's got. That's a big training effort. Phenomenal, Desley, and uh, she was one of the first to congratulate me, as I hope I was the previous week when she did train that treble, and I certainly wish her the very best of luck uh, heading into the big one uh, down in Sydney in a few weeks' time, a chapter and verse, I think it is. Have I got that uh, right? Apache Chase, Apache Chase. Apache Chase, I always stuff them up, sorry, <laughs> apologies. Good so idea. I wish her and the team the very best of luck up there. She does a great job, Des, and... Uh, and, um, you know, really uh, hope that horse uh, does it proud uh, you know, next week, uh, as I'm sure it will. Good to talk again. Thanks for your time. Cheers, boys. There he is, Peter Moody, the trainer of Incentivise. Well, we've, uh, we've given Incentivise a thorough going over this morning from all different angles, but I think all worthy of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And this horse uh, isn't just a racing story now. This is a mainstream media story, mm. as to some extent the Melbourne Cup is every year. Mm. But... Uh, We've got the Cox Plate obviously coming up on Saturday, but to some extent, uh, Incentivise uh, doesn't overshadow the Cox Plate, but uh, there's going to be just as much chatter about Incentivise this week um, almost as a Cox Plate. It was really interesting, I thought, Peter Moody just saying, um, you know, he's just going to, not confirming a Melbourne Cup start by any means, mm. just wants to monitor this horse over the next seven, eight, nine, ten days. Yeah, I was, I was going to allude to that, that as he said, for the first time he's pulled up a little behind the eight ball, a little jaded, so... Moody's the ultimate professional, and uh, and he and, and the owners will act in the horse's best interest. But, you know, I think the the um, odds are there that he will be there on Melbourne Cup Day. And you're right, the Melbourne Cup always attracts nationwide attention. But this time, here's this horse from Toowoomba to, you know, it's got so many elements. And you know, as a journalist, there's, there's so many angles you can come from going into the Australia's biggest race. Well, isn't it funny, like six months ago, I was knocking up writing stories about, you know, the, the new rules for internationals mm. in the Melbourne Cup, how not many of them are becoming, and that was the big thing. Look, to be honest, I don't think anyone cares right now how many internationals or, or whatever have come, how many are going to be in the Melbourne Cup. The interest, I guess, in the internationals is simply now, can they knock off incentivise? Because I don't think any Australian horse can uh, if incentivise has even luck in a Melbourne Cup. I suppose non-conformists can be considered unlucky to run into incentivise because 
he beat the others convincingly off that good run last week. He's been really good all this campaign. He sat wide all the way, no cover. So his run was outstanding. He just ran into a very, very, very good one on the day. Yeah, it's like a bowler uh, in Test cricket who's who's just knocking up, taking wickets and takes five for and then all of a sudden Don Bradman turns up and you just can't get him out and scores 300 or something, isn't it? It was a great day at Caulfield yesterday. That's the cup. I just want to play one more replay. Then we've got to, got to move on to Sydney because we've got a lot to talk about there. Let's go to the the old Norman Robinson, a key lead up to the Derby, and Gunstock staked his Victoria Derby claims by winning this race. 400 to go. It's the Filial Patroness with Tiz Magic now, who moves up boldly, and they share the front from Micro a length away. Next, T Waters, who cuts the corner. Further back in the field to the middle of the track, Gunstock running on now. El Patroness, 200 metres to go. A length and a half to Gunstock in hot pursuit. Then T Waters, El Patroness at the 150, joined by Gunstock. Gunstock surges to the lead. Gunstock from El Patroness, T Waters, and Gunstock onto the derby. Won it well. By two legs, El Patroness, T Waters, then Sebastian the Fox, Tiz Magic. Next, Gun Deck, Antonio Giovanni. A gap, Mike Rowe, and well back in the field. Reset the Jazz, turn it up, Tommy and Sharper last. He goes to $4.50 for the Derby. They put the blinkers on yesterday, responded well to Jai McNeil's right and the blinkers. And big price of Michael Ken Jr. They're having a good run during the carnival. Yeah, absolutely. And gee whiz, big sort of striding horse. You think this horse would be even better at um, Flemington. So, um,. Yeah, terrific win, and the blinkers, as you say, going on looked to be the key. Yeah, only having its fourth start. As I said, a good uh, carnival, but a good day as well because they won the uh, Ethereal with daisies, and now she catapults into Oaks contention as well. She was a maiden going into yesterday. That was only her fourth start. A couple other quick ones to mention. Colette, of course, had to abandon Caulfield Cup plan. She had a a, a nasty abscess. They worked on that. Uh, Great training effort from many combined to... Uh, freshen her up and win that race yesterday and she'll probably go to the Empire Rose now because if she wins that, there's a million-dollar bonus because she's won the Tristo. It was one of those moments in racing post-race where I just sort of thought, what a deal. I, I left her out of the quaddy just thinking she's a $2 favourite. Oh. She's had the disrupted preparation. Uh, yeah, she might be the best tool. She'll be back near last probably. I'll take her on. And then post-race, I was just thinking, oh, I'm a complete imbecile. What have you done? That's right. <laughs> didn't, actually, I didn't speak to Peter. We didn't speak to Peter about Oxley Road. He won the last race as well. Yeah, nice little... Uh, Fast horse, lightly raced. They were some of the highlights from Corfield. Look, let's take a break. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. Reset, and we'll go to the other big event that was at Royal Ramwick yesterday, the Tab Everest. That's up after the break. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing taking racing ownership to the next level. Thanks for your company this morning. Ben Doris, I'm always here to help you. You know that. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to help you on two fronts this morning because you are cashed up, and we're going to talk about that later. I'm going to give you a bit of a moment in the sun later in the program, but Archer Park have got a horse called Bonaparte in the first race today. Ryan Maloney's riding it. He's going to join us later in the program. In fact, a few of the Archer Park owners are up there. So you can back Bonaparte in the first with the money you've won on your horse, Royal Hale, and then you can go into this share of this horse called Starry Lass. Now, you know why I'm recommending it? Uh, I'm just thinking no what, idea. what could possibly go wrong here. <laughs> Not at all. Starry Lass is one of the, the many two-year-olds that uh, Archer Park have. They're ready to go because we're in the two-year-old season now. But he's by Heroic Valor. This was Heroic Valor standing for the Nolan family at Raheen. Side Heroic Son for the Hulberts, one. Side Mashani Persuasion, one yesterday. Starry Lasses by Heroic Valor out of Lonro Lass. There's 10% left. 10%. That's all you've got to put in. Oh, and I'm telling you, it will go sooner than later. My problem, though, is with these things, David. I'm married. Not that that's a problem. Uh, it's not a problem, but I have to run these things kind of past my... I know and she says, wife. She'd you know, be more than happy to go She with says you. we've got two kids. One of them's in school next year, and, you know, we've got to put bread on the table for them and all that sort of stuff. So, the, you know... The kids are screaming, buy a horse, Daddy. <laughs> well, I must say... Buy a horse, 10%, Daddy. I must say my oldest now knows. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, you're going to horses. Watch horses. So she's she's on board already. Archipark, go to that website, archiparkracing.com.au, and good luck with Bonaparte in the first today. We'll be... Well, I suppose I'll be on it again. I've been on it a few times. <laughs> if you're listening out there, the, the patience is wearing thin, but it does look hard to beat in the first race. Let's move on. Tab Everest. This always promised to be a great contest, and it was a great finish. Here's the replay with Darren. 
they come up the rise now and Nature Strip in front by a length and a half to Home Affairs. Eduardo's flat out but still chasing Nature Strip at the 300 metres. Two lengths clear from his old sparring partner Eduardo giving chase. It's Nature Strip in front of Eduardo. Classic Legends rattling home. Nature Strip in front of Eduardo. Nature Strip kept going. Eduardo. Mask Crusaders jumping out of the ground. Just missed. Nature Strip clings on. He's king of the mountain this time. Nature Strip from the fast finishing Mask Crusader and Eduardo. Then came Classic Legend lost and running. Further back to trekking Gitra, Home Affairs, Libertini, Wild Ruler and Embracer in the Everest of 2021. Well, it was a gripping finish. Nature Strip, uh, I think they said James or James McDonald said he was wanting the post to come up and Tommy Berry was wanting the post not, not to come up so soon. But in the end, when the judge called a halt, all plaudits, all honours with Nature Strip. He did all the hard yards out in front. He burned the candle at both ends. And Rod Lyons is always so generous with his time on all media fronts. And he's uh, bathing in the success of Nature Strip's Everest win. But he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Rod, congratulations. Thank you, David. It's a, it's a buzz. It's a real thrill. Oh, got to be. And the, and the other factor, and we were talking about this, Ben and I were talking about this earlier, the fact that yesterday there were people back there, I'm sure, made an extra element of the day. Absolutely. Well, we've got one owner who lives in uh, Sydney and he's not in the best of health. And uh, he got out of hospital and got himself in a wheelchair and got to the races. And he reckons it's put another six months on his <laughs> life. So uh, it was fabulous. But even, I don't know the United States, played that sweet Carolina. Oh. It, was, it was phenomenal. The atmosphere coming back. Oh, we weren't there, of course. I was home in lockdown state. But it was, it was fabulous. It was a, it was a, they do a great job. There's no doubt about it. Now, Rod... Um... Uh, this horse for you as an owner has taken you on an amazing ride. As a journalist, I reckon over the last you know, two, three, four years, I've used words like enigmatic, unpredictable, all that, that sort of stuff. I haven't for the last six months or year. This horse is now, you know what you're going to get, don't you? He is, uh, you know, what we saw, we never quite knew what we were going to get when he was a bit younger. We do now. Well, Benny boy, I think <laughs> you've been a little bit of a critic at time. I've, I've watched you there uh, with interest uh, since you bought me that beer at the airport and we went to one of those... Everest do's, but he is, he gives his best all the time, and you're right, he was just over racing early, and, and when he first went to Chris, I remember Chris saying, he said, listen, it'll take time, but we'll get him right, he said, the gallop, you know, the times this horse can run in a gallop are just unbelievable, you, and once we can look, teach him to harness that, that enthusiasm, and, and try and get him to control that a bit, he said he'll be unbeatable, and there, there were times there where he kept on, um, you know, over racing, and he, Chris would keep on saying, "Don't worry, don't worry." And we lost a couple of races there, and you're disappointed when you get beaten. But but Chris just kept on saying, "Don't worry, we'll get him there." Well, even yesterday, like he ran four sub eleven furlongs, and then an eleven. You can't do that. Your horses might run one or two um, ten fours, ten threes, and then they they fall in the hole, but. He is a very, very good horse. He really is. And another interesting point, and look, I was unaware of this, but Ray Thomas writes it this morning when he was speaking with Chris Waller, and Chris gave a very uh, involved interview with, to, to Ray that this horse in the in the spring uh, has had allergies in the past, where so he hasn't <laughs> often performed at his best. David, um, this is what gave us confidence yesterday, is that last year he... He had, I didn't know horses could get hay fever. They reckon he had hay fever. And he kept on, um, was being treated with antibiotics. He kept on getting mucus and uh, his coat didn't come through. And and then in the race, if you remember, poor old Rachel King, she lost the clock and, and she went bananas on Eduardo and took him on. Eduardo ran last last year and we still battled on the run uh, sixth or seventh, only beaten 3.7 lengths and we were never right. And James got dislodged in the barrier trial so everything went wrong mm. so to only be beaten 3.7 lengths with all that going wrong and then coming into this year with an absolute trouble free run mm. we were all very very confident that he would you know he only had to improve that 3.7 lengths and he was going to be right in the finish and he did that luckily this was his uh, i mean he's, he's won knocked up winning group once but i think this was his his crowning glory really wasn't it but um he's seven years old now 
do you expect we're going to see Nature's Trip racing for quite some time yet? I mean, he's, he's not getting any younger, obviously, but he was he was at the peak of his powers yesterday. Is is, is Nature's Trip going to be around for a, another season or two? Do you do you imagine? Rob? I think so, Ben. And, and uh, Chris Chris um, reckons he's got a good eighteen months left in him. And, and you know, you've only got to see what he did with Winks. I'm not saying he's a Winks, but the way he manages his horses, Chris, you know. He, uh, short, sharp preps. He's having. He's coming. He's going to come to Melbourne if he pulls up okay. Then he'll go for a spell, a couple of runs, um, you know, in the autumn, and then uh, a, another crack. So he does manage the horses very well. He's only had 30 starts. It's only his 31st start, so he's lightly raced, but he is a big monster of a horse. So you've always got to manage him. You know, they start to get aches and pains as they, like all of us, as we get older, we get the aches and pains. But I, I hope. And I think Chris is uh, saying that we've got you know, a good another two or three seasons in him. Management is, is so important, such an important facet of training. And as you said, uh, Waller does it brilliantly. The other brilliance in, in this whole story is James McDonald. And I was trying to think of how to describe this, put it into words. I just think you can use three words. Watching Nature Strip and James McDonald when they're in the middle of the race, it's a pleasure to watch. It's it's just it's it's a beautiful shot of the, of a great jockey and a great horse just travelling at a good speed, you know, at, at champion level. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's very very well summed up. You you've almost painted the picture. And when you watch a lot of races, like all us guys do, and punters, and you're right, um, he he doesn't move. He, he's as balanced as a jockey as you'll see, and he just. He just, you know, flows with the horse, and uh, they really are made for each other. They really look terrific when they're in, when they're in full full stride. You're right. Well, all good, and uh, off to the Darley now. Yeah, off to the Darley, your fingers crossed, and hopefully we might get out the Adelaide more than ten k's from home, and we might better go and see him see him race. I, I my football team won the premiership. Uh, first time in fifty seven years, I couldn't go and see him. <laughs> I haven't been able to go and see him win the Everest, so uh, <clears throat> I remember this year the two great thrills and the fact I wasn't there. To put it kindly, the patience is wearing a bit thin with you, Rod. <laughs> you can say that again, mate. You can say that again. Having to stay home and watch the races with your wife, who's not really a, uh, a racing fan, but... Uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, hey, this horse has got $15 million in the bank, uh, Rod. I'm tipping she'd be a racing fan looking at that, wouldn't she? Hey, she knows that. She wanted to know as soon as all said, how much did we, did we win? That's the first thing she said, how much did we win? I said, what? I said, we didn't win anything. I said, uh, she was going crook when the bills come in, and now when the checks come in, she's sort of pretty happy. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. That's my pleasure, boys. Right. Rod Lyons, one of the part owners of Nature Strip, always very kind to this radio station, off and on with Stephen Hewlett. And Nature Strip was the best horse on the day because he did burn the candle at both ends, but... Yeah, but I was on Mask Crusader. Oh, gee whiz, I'll tell you what, if that horse, no taken away from Nature Strip, but if Mask Crusader just jumps a bit better... He wins. Well, well, there's there's two points, and that's one of them. Uh, they put the winkers on, but again, still hesitant at the start. So he ends up probably one or two pairs back further. But have a look at the head-on vision. In the early part of the straight, he goes for a run between, I think it was uh, G-Trail and Lost and Running. He doesn't eventuate. Then he shifts out. This is Tommy Berry. He goes for a run between Wild Ruler and, and Lost and Running. Doesn't eventuate. There were two lost opportunities. No fault of Tommy. You're on a horse that's back at the back of the bus and then he's got it to be beaten by a long head on the line. So, look, as I said, all plaudits with Nature Strip. But if you own Mask Crusader or you back Mask Crusader like your good self, you could feel a little hard done. Yeah, I think uh, Mask Crusader has a uh, huge future. Of the beaten brigade, lost and running to fight his, his starting price yeah, to run good to fourth. See. Classic legend was never a, a winning hope, probably... Um, you know, I guess maybe what a lot of people expected going into the race first up, like he was there or thereabouts, but wasn't a winning chance. Probably the disappointments, the three-year-old home affairs uh, didn't fire a shot. And, and the Inferno, I thought, was um, fairly disappointing to the, um, you know, Singapore or ex-Singaporean now now Melbourne horse. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a cracking race. And I think the real highlight of racing yesterday in Sydney, and we'll ask our next guest about this, Tommy Berry. But, jeez, those crowds, how good was it? Oh, it was 10,000. Felt like 100,000 watching it on TV. And I think just from a future viewpoint, uh, as Rod said, Chris has outlined him, good 18 months left. 
Mask Crusader will be there next year. Why would Eduardo be there next year? I know they're all getting older, but they're all geldings. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, and they they're not overly raced. So sometimes this 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 category of sprinter, you could say, well, they've had their time. Now we see the young younger brigade come through. These oldies, they're still going to be there. Yeah. Um, again, with the beaten brigade, Gitra was disappointing. There was an excuse found post race, or some excuse. He was a uh, one out of five lame. I guess the one thing I would love in future Everest, it's been too hard this year, obviously with COVID and whatever. I'd love to see a, you know, one of the one of the world's best sprinters. Uh, you know, a, a, clearly Australia has the world's best sprinters, but one of an internationally recognised sprinter, whether it's a European sprinter or an Asian sprinter, I just I reckon it add a bit of extra spice to the race and a bit a bit of betting overseas as well. But uh, another terrific running of the Everest, and as much as I was on Mask Crusader. Uh, no taking away from the win of Nature Strip. He really deserved that. The other biggie of the day was the Kosciuszko for the country sprinters. Let's have a listen to the replay. And Handle the Truth takes the lead under restraint at the 400 from Ace in Vancouver. Art Cadeau's coming off hill, starting to lengthen Irish songs down the outside. But Nash said, go on, Handle the Truth. Two lengths in front. Art Cadeau's doing the chasing. So's Irish songs. But Handle the Truth in front of Art Cadeau, chipping in now. It's Handle the Truth. Art Cadeau goes to him and got him. Art Cadeau got up to win the Kosciuszko, nailing Handle the Truth. I think Spiranak third, edit late, followed by Irish Songs, then Sunrise Ruby ahead of his time, Mr. Hustle, Ice in Vancouver, Patino Ruby, Plonka, then Ceasefire, Nataraja, and Island Bay Boy. Tommy Berry's got a wonderful association with this horse, Art Cadeau. He was produced first up by Terry Robinson to win this prestigious race yesterday. Great training effort, and Tommy Berry's been kind enough to join us this morning. Congratulations, Tom. Oh, thank you very much. It was an incredible day. Um, perfect day to have the crowds back at the races, and um, we definitely felt it as jockeys, that's for sure. What about on Art Cadeau? Handle the truth. Had the had the perfect run and, and didn't have to go around a horse. Were you confident in the straight you'd peg it back? Yeah, I was. You know, He sprinted a little bit better than me. He's obviously a, he's a sprinter himself, and, and my bloke's more a 1,400-metre miler, so I always knew that they'd you know, whether it was him or even a couple of other horses might get away from me a little bit at the top of the straight when I first went for him. But uh, I always had confidence that he'd be nice and strong to the line. And he'd had a very good grounding, even though being first up, um, he'd done a lot of work down at the beach. And I was I was very confident after riding him in a trial um, you know, a couple of weeks ago that he was on target. And uh, you know, incredible training performance by Terry. He knows his horse very well. A lot of people said you couldn't, couldn't win it first up. But... Um, uh, I'm, you know, I, I definitely think if he'd had a run beforehand, he, he wouldn't have been sharp enough for a race like a 1200. So, um, I'm proud of the horse. Every time we we raise the bar from him he, for him, he um, he seems to climb it. So, really don't know how good he is yet, and he, we we still don't think he's he's reached his best distance, which is probably a mile. Tommy, you've had some huge wins at Randwick in your career, but I'd imagine. Uh, this would be right up there, given the crowd being back on track. I love the way you played out to them as you you came back. It really added something to the day, didn't it? Yeah, no. Well, look, sentimentally, um, it would probably be one of one of the highlights. You know, it's um, obviously not one of the biggest races I've won in my career, especially at Randwick. But um, you know, when you do it for people, um, you know that you that you're very close with and, and great families, hardworking families, and they put a lot of time and effort in, and, and they don't get you know horses of his calibre very often um, you know it means a lot and then to, to go up and show him off to the crowd I, I didn't realise how, how popular he was but obviously the betting said he was popular um, late you know in the last two days before the race um, he's obviously got a pretty good following and I guess a horse that's had 12 starts and hasn't finished any further back than second mm. um, you know they, they get that sort of following. I want to make mention here of Terry Robinson you, you've alluded to it his dad, Kevin Robinson, was a wonderful horseman and, of course, he was best known in the harness racing world. Had some great trotters when Harold Park was big back in the 60s and 70s. And, of course, Terry and his brother, Chris, were also involved in harness racing. But I tell you what, I reckon they took a leaf out of their old man. They're great horsemen, both of them. Yeah, no, they are. They're incredible horsemen. And he's got a long history, um, Terry and his father. They've got a beautiful uh, property down there at Shoalhaven Heads um, on the beach. So they, they've got, a, you know different options he's got a nice little track there where he can just do a bit of slow work out on his property or he's got the beach and then he's got obviously now a racetrack but um guy walter actually when he first started training trained out of uh, his property uh, rented boxes off um terry's father so 
um, you know, there's a lot of history in the place where they train at, and um, it's also now a, a riding school for for kids as well um, out there. So um, they're just great people, good horsemen. Um, they they know their horses very well, and um, you know he's he's got a great record, Terry, when he brings horses to town, especially for the highways. I think he's he's probably the most successful highway trainer, and um, you know he he really enjoys enjoys you know doing it with people he loves, and I'm pretty sure. Most of his staff, uh, either you know, they're, they're part of his family, whether they're um, brothers, sisters, or um, nieces and nephews, and you know the, the whole team. So it's great. Talking about Mask Crusader, just um, before um, you came on, uh, Tommy, it must feel like having a Ferrari in the garage almost, but for one reason or another, the Ferrari just it's a bit slow getting out of the garage. He's just a magnificent horse with a superb turn of foot, but gee whiz, he, he just costs himself at the start, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Oh, Yesterday, I don't think the start cost him too much because we probably end up in the same spot. Um, you know, we didn't have too many other options. Uh, even if he had jumped, I think there was still pretty much everything that was in front of me had, had more speed than, than I did. Um, so I ended up on the back of the right horses that I thought I would, uh, you know, around Classic Legend. That's where I thought going into the race I'd end up. So being slow away yesterday, I don't think that cost him. I think what cost him in the run was just that last inside the 100 there when, Eduardo sort of shifted out just that touch, and I had to just just change course to get to the outside of his heels. Um, there, you know, that that probably cost me one or two strides, and you know, I've only been beaten a couple of strides. So momentum's everything in this game, and um, he needs that, and he needs all the luck to go his way, and he pretty much had most of it. Um, and and uh, you know, missing the kick has cost him quite a bit in his career. But I, I think yesterday, you know, if you you really look back at it, and, and Ask yourself, where would I have been if he hadn't have missed a kick? I think you're probably saying the same spot. Mm. Uh, amusing is not the right word for you, of course, but when they go past the line in, in the Everest, uh, you must have said something to, to McDonald and he thought, hell, have I won or not? Like, <laughs> we, did you think that... Did you, did you think there was a chance you might have won or what did you think? No, I, I stood up and looked over at him to say, well done, and he said, did you get it? And I said, I thought you got it. And he said, no, I thought you did. Because so <laughs> the heads are going left, right and centre. <laughs> so he, oh, I, I went from heartbroken to getting some hope back. And then he, he broke my heart again for the second time. <laughs> so, um, it, um, yeah, look, it was a bit of, bit of sweet pill to, to swallow to, to get beat by that sort of margin in a race of that calibre. But, you know, for, for James, he's had a, a few cracks at it now. And he's uh, on that horse. And, and, you know, Chris Waller and the team have done a... a, a massive job um they've worked him out obviously worked out his preparation and um you know the the, the best horse won on the day um you know everyone probably thinks my horse should have won but at the end of the day he didn't so um can't take anything away from nature strip james or, or chris um it was uh it was a great day for them to celebrate great words we'll leave it on that thanks for your time this morning mate my pleasure cheers guys Tommy Berry joining us. Uh, what could have what could have been uh, an absolute uh, howler of a day with the Kosciuszko and the Everest, but he missed out on the Everest, but won the Kosciuszko. Yeah, I bet you. Outside of racing, I was just I was almost thinking about asking him, but he'd be one of the most relieved men in Australia with the the lockdown sort of releasing. It's, mm. He's got four beautiful kids, of course, and. Uh, wouldn't have been easy for him or his lovely wife, Shani, being at home. Um, well, Tommy hasn't been at, at home, I guess, but the family would have. So, um, you know, lovely, uh, lovely little pick-me-up probably on the home front. The kids might be able to get out and do a few things as well. Look, let's go to Eagle Farm now as we're in the home straight of uh, past the post. We had four inches of rain at Eagle Farm during the week with a series of storms, but the track presented very well. Let's go to the feature race, the St Rita's Cup. Eight lengths span them. Georgie's pride rolling strongly around the bend. 4.20 left to run. Straightens in front by a margin of about two and a half. Taversan second. Royal Hale being called upon, but being niggled at as well. Then you make me smile and Royal Witness running on strongly. The two Royals are coming together. Royal Hale and Royal Witness. Georgie's pride under pressure. Royal Hale went to it now. Then came Royal Witness. Down to the 100 metres. Royal Hale in the lead. Royal Witness trying hard. Georgie's pride can do no more, but Royal Hale, he's home. Royal Hale won the St. Rita's Cup and beat home Royal Witness. Georgie's Pride third, fourth, constant flight. Then Junction Tavisan, you make me smile and take your ace out towards the tail. Tony Gollan trains Royal Hale. That was his eighth win at start 24. What is your percentage of this horse? Oh, very small. Tell the truth. Just in a syndicate, that's all. Just a, just a battling syndicate doing our best. Well, you're having plenty of fun. The man who steered Royal Hale is our next guest on Past the Post, Ryan Maloney. Good morning. Morning, boys. How are you? 
very well. Good to talk to you. You rode this horse first up at Eagle Farm when he ran fourth. He's had three. He's had four runs since. Uh, I think he's just kept on improving this campaign. Yeah, he, um, sort of last prep you would have thought he's about to reach his mark, but just his prep, he's he's, um, he's stayed sound. He's come into his own, and um, he's been a model of consistency. Um, his uh, his last start third to Apache Chase certainly held him in good stead for that uh, that race yesterday. It panned out beautifully too, didn't didn't it, Ryan, with Georgie's pride, the, the favourite, uh, just being trapped wide there early and, and having a, to use a bit of petrol. You must have just been sitting back there smoking your pipes and this is all, all working out perfectly. Yeah, it, it, it couldn't have gone a script any better. I was, I thought I might, may have been a bit further back, but I was surprised how, how well he jumped, how, um, how, how well he travelled as well. Um, and coming to the corner, I, I, I know he's got a short and sharp turn of foot, and I just got exposed a little bit earlier than what I wanted, but um, it didn't, didn't matter. It was a pretty dominant win there. Rhapsody Rose was your other winner in race eight. She was confidently backed. Uh, I was glad to see her win yesterday because I've always had good faith in this filly. Uh, you rode her first up at Eagle Farm, 1,000 metres. It always looked a bit tricky on paper with a wide gate and, and it panned out that way, didn't it? Uh, yeah, 100%. I was, um, I was very surprised when the manager rang and said I'm back on her after the first up ride. Um, but I think one of the owners said to Chris, he couldn't ride that bad twice. So <laughs> I was uh, very happy to redeem myself. Um, just on another topic, Ryan, uh, you were one of the, the first jockeys uh, to ride Nature Strip. I think you had three wins on him. Memories must come flooding back when you, you see a, a horse like that win the Everest. Yeah, it's, um, he always showed huge potential even before his first start. Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see him finally get that uh, Everest off the back. I mean, he's had a few cracks at it and it just shows what a class horse he is um, and what a great job Chris Moll has done with him. You're, you were a Premier Jockey last season. You've ridden, uh, I think it's 15 Metro winners so far. A few ahead of you in the Premiership at the moment, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's always been uh, a problem on occasions, not consistently, but your weight's always an issue. How are you going there at the moment? Seems to be going all right. Yeah, I... Um I sort of just left at 56 and uh, don't try and ride any lighter. Uh, it seems to be quite comfy and um, just created a yo-yo effect if I did try and ride too light. And, um, I mean, the, the majority of the time, uh, the, most of the rides I do get the, that, on that heavy scale, so um, it just makes life a lot easier and you go to the races a lot more fresh and feel a lot better than uh, being dehydrated. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, what you just said. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be worried or you might be able to make it. You set yourself a level or a limit, and obviously your mind's a lot clearer. Yeah, obviously you'd rather um, be, have that advantage of being able to ride a lot of ones because you, you do miss out from time to time. But um, in the scheme of things, uh, if you're not 100% um, on race day, it's probably not worth putting yourself through is Eagle Farm racing better now, uh, Ryan? It just um, from the outside looking in, it seems to be. And, and I suppose, obviously, um, yesterday was kind of what it was made for. We had a fair bit of rain during um, the week, but it was, a, it was a good fall. But generally, is it, is it, it copped a lot of criticism. It's going to have a rebuild. Is it generally, they racing better than it was uh, sort of six weeks ago? Yeah, I think um, certainly the uh, the way, I mean, Rhapsody Rose, although she was the class runner, she, she hugged the rail the whole way where majority of the time you, you don't want to be anywhere near the fence. So I think in that aspect, um, it certainly is racing better. And just before you go, I can hear in the car, this, this is the final question, but this is the most important question. What's your best ride today? <laughs> uh, I've got a couple, I think. Um, I think Bad Education, Rock Heathcote and uh, Star Turn, the quality sort of runners. Um, Stewie, a few couple of Stewie, you know, he's right rated his own track, so uh, hopefully have a good day there. And education, raced by the chairman Neville Bell of the BRC. Good on you, mate. Have a good day. Thanks, boys. See ya. Ryan Maloney joining us. Race 5, number 2, Bad Education. Uh, will be hard to bid. past two runs have been good, but don't forget he's riding Bonaparte in the first for Archer Park. Just before we go, we have run out of time. Can you believe it that the first two races yesterday, there were six protests? Yeah, extraordinary. You would never see anything like that in a million years. And a dead, heat, a dead heat in the first to boot. So that doesn't happen too often in this day and age with all the modern technology. 
three protests in the first, but the odds of three protests in the second. However, I will say this. How the first protest of, of Ven did it against Kachina was not upheld <laughs> gobsmacks me. I, I, and then I read this morning an interesting paragraph from Trent Nakers to say the stewards thought because Jim Byrne put in a counter-protest of a interference at the 1,200 metres, that mm. uh, balanced it out. It's above my pay grade trying to work that out. One thing I will do, though, just in, in finalising, I'm going to give this show a wrap. Gee whiz, I reckon we bat pretty well this show, don't we, David? Our guest this morning, Brett Preble, Peter Moody, Bray Sikulski. So we had every incentivised angle covered. Uh, nature strips through rod lines. Tommy Berry, what a great story he was. Uh, terrific information uh, and entertainment there for the listeners. I loved it. I reckon it's been my favourite show all year. And uh, we'll try and negotiate your pay rise then. Probably good work you've done. Well, what do you think I just said that? Exactly. (laughs) Hey, uh, and the dance ain't over. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Good on you, David. Cheers. Ben Dorries joining us this morning here, as he does right through the Spring Carnival. And thanks for your company as well. Always appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show. I think we learned a bit this morning and had a few laughs along the way. I'm back with you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Plenty to talk about as we continue on. Cox Plate weekend coming up and, of course, the big invitation race in Sydney. Have a good day. Bye-bye.